This is Tech Talk with your host, Tom Dioria. Tom will spend the next hour making your life with technology a little easier with explanations of the different aspects of today's technology and how it can benefit your home, small office, or enterprise. Now here's your host, Tom Dioria. Welcome to IMI's Tech Talk on the third Sunday of January. It's January 15, 2017. Happy Martin Luther King weekend. Uh, we're on at 5 p.m. in the New York listening area and 3 p.m. in Arizona, and we're live from our New York offices. And today's show is going to be uh, some interviews I did at uh, CES uh, 2017 last week in Las Vegas, so I think you're going to uh, enjoy that. We did a, a number of uh, interviews and sessions uh, that we're going to bring you over the next couple of months, uh, but we wanted to bring you uh, this one uh right now because it's uh, fresh and uh, you'll hear some interesting uh, exhibits that we went to. I'm Tom DiOri. I'm the CEO of Information Methods Incorporated, and together with our weekly guests, our show will help our listeners, whether a business or home technology user, make better use of all aspects of technology. Just in case you're a first-time listener, in our first segment, Tech Talk provides you with a review of last week's most significant events in technology. We start with an increased coverage of New York's technology scene, and we follow this with an industry-wide report, which could contain information on conference, announcements by vendors, new releases of software equipment, or new contract opportunities. One of my guests followed us from many aspects of business and industry, and if you wish us to consider a topic for a future show, you can email your suggestions to Tech Talk, that's T-E-C-H-T-A-L-K, at imi-us.com. We'll get back to you pretty quickly. Anytime after our show introduction, please give us a call or send an email message with questions on today's topic or anything else we might be able to help you with. You can call 277-KFNX, that's 277-5369. And if you're outside the 602 listening area, call us toll-free at 1-866-536-1100. You can send email questions uh, throughout the show uh, or throughout the week. Uh, to that email address I gave you, techtalk at imi-us.com. If we don't get you on the show today, we'll definitely send you a response and try and get you on next week. And we're also being simulcast on the web. So if you can't get to your radio but you want to listen to us live, you can go to KFNX's website, which is 1100kfnx.com. If you want to listen to this show again or any of our previous shows, you can go to our website, which is imi-us.com. In the upper right-hand corner is the Tech Talk button. Click on that. All the shows are there. You can download them, listen to, to them as many times as you want, send them to your friends. It's free, so please take advantage of that. And please call in any time during the show, and we'll try and get you on as quickly as possible. As I mentioned, the first segment is our Week in Review. It's your increased coverage of technology events in New York City and around the world. It's compiled by Dan Dioria, Dave Brandon, and Jose Batista. Okay, the first thing we want to tell you about, although uh, technology is not uh, completely involved in this, is the funeral for Detective New York uh, PD Detective Stephen McDonald, who we've uh, known for a long time. And I guess the technology aspect is uh, after he was shot 30 years ago uh, and made a very uh, amazing recovery, he had a high, real high-tech uh, wheelchair that uh, he could propel by um, blowing into the uh, mouthpiece. Um, he was able to regain his ability to speak, although he was a, a quadriplegic. Um, but we were at St. Patrick's for the, for the funeral, which was an amazing event. I mean, there must have been 15,000... 
police officers attending. When you looked up and down uh, Fifth Avenue, you could not see the end uh, in either north or south. Um, and in the church, uh, the whole left side was filled with his fellow officers. Three people, uh, or four people, I guess, spoke. The mayor, uh, just a side note there, after he was done, there was no applause, and one assumes that that's the way it would be because it's a church. The police commissioner was next. He got a very big round of applause. A messier from the Rangers was there who got a big uh, set of applause after he was done because his son Connor and uh, Stephen McDonald were avid Ranger fans. They went all the time. And then his son, who is now a sergeant in the NYPD, spoke, and he got four standing ovations. I mean, it was a really moving ceremony. I'm going to read you a couple of quotes from from uh, what he said. Um, he said that uh, this is Connor uh, McDonald. My father was always committed to me. He did more than most able-bodied dads would ever do with their sons. He was always at his uh, games, um, took him to Ranger games all the time. And uh, he also said that my dad wanted to make sure his time on earth was not washed, wasted, and that it's uh, so passionate in spreading God's message and love and forgiveness, especially since he was shot three times, left for dead, and forgave the guy that the kid, 15-year-old kid that shot him. Um, so, as, uh, as I said, a sad event. Um, one thing that I did not know, David Letterman was uh, always there for uh, Detective McDonald. Uh, and we send, uh, which I did not know, but he got a shout-out from, from his son. Um, so I just want to... Uh, Send our condolences to Patricia and Connor McDonald um, from all of us here at the IMI and at uh, Tech Talk and KFNX 1100. Okay, speaking of Mayor de Blasio, uh, his new 10-year life side program is a promise of transformation for the city of New York, which has already tremendously increased its tech sector, becoming the smart city of 2016. A new life sciences campus is in the works, making programs similar to Cornell Tech, which aims to make uh, New York City a center for applied sciences and engineering. New on the frontier are the life sciences, which would increase over 16,000 jobs from New Yorkers, many of which will not require advanced degrees. Altogether, the investment into the program is half a billion dollars, with $300 million tax incentive going towards real estate, space for new research labs either on the Upper East Side or in Long Island City, amending uh, the single biggest hurdle to developing research labs in New York City. This plan will reassign the current zones, shaking up the real estate industry, and allow the city to finally compete with the likes of Boston and Silicon Valley. More than that, it will attract new industry professionals to the city, evolving it from a financial center to a true technological and scientific center of the world. The initiative has also set aside funds for new startups and entrepreneurs to take advantage of the new opportunities provided. The plan calls for $20 million a year towards seed growth funding for early-stage businesses with matching funds from private resources. The life sciences includes the fields of biotechnology, pharmaceuticals, cosmetic cuticles, 
food processing, biomedical devices, nutraceuticals, commercialization, and a lot more. The city will also provide financing of up to $7.5 million to life science startups to help them secure science entrepreneurs to help launch and grow their businesses in New York City. These entrepreneurs will be committed to growing companies, cultivating new talent, and creating good and accessible jobs in the five boroughs. Okay. IBM's Watson, uh, the city's 311 service, which uh, we built and started up uh, for the city uh, many years ago, has an easy time providing calls with alternate side parking information, which may be why it does so to every single one. But for more complicated queries, it relies on an antiquated patched together system that will get a lot easier in late 2018 when it gets help from artificial intelligence. IBM Watson, the high-tech company system, a computing system famous for defeating Jeopardy champions, will support a new customer management system to be built from the ground up for multiple communications channels, including social media and text. Watson's machine learning capability or artificial intelligence is expected to speed up and refine the process of providing answers about city services and responding to complaints from across the five boroughs. Dewitt submitted the IBM contract to the controller, Scott Springer, on Wednesday for review. Pending approval, IBM will begin an overhaul that's expected to take 18 months and will convert the sprawling network to a Microsoft Dynamics customer relationship management system. It's going to cost $24 million. Uh, annual licensing and service costs will be negotiated once the bill out is finished. So we'll see how that goes. That would be uh, very nice. And finally, Microsoft announced recently that it has acquired Maluba, a Toronto startup focused on using deep learning for natural language processing. Deep learning is an approach to artificial intelligence currently in vogue and has driven incredible gains in the field over the last five years. Uh, this past year, the startups shared the result of an AI system that could read and comprehend text with near-human capability, outperforming similar systems shown off by Google and Facebook. So uh, we'll see where that goes. Um, we're going to take a break. Uh, we're going to get to my interviews on the show floor of CES 2017 in Las Vegas. I think you're going to enjoy that, so please stay tuned. We're going to be right back after these messages. Welcome back to IMI's Tech Talk on KFNX AM 1100. I'm Tom DiOrio, and we're on the show for CES 2017 in Las Vegas, and we're going to be talking to some exhibitors. Okay, so as I mentioned, uh, we're at the DJI booth, and we're going to talk to uh, Adam Lisberg about uh, some of the drones that they have here and some of the other things of interest, too. Sure. My name is Adam Lisberg. I'm the head U.S. spokesman for DJI. We're the world's market leader in both personal and professional drones. We're really excited to be showing out, showing off three new drone products here at CES that have come out in the last couple months. One of them you might have seen, it's called the Mavic Pro. It is the world's most advanced personal drone. It folds up into the side of, size of a water bottle, and yet you take it out, which means you can keep it in your bag, keep it in your purse, you can bring it along with you. You don't have to make special plans. Does it have, have a, a camera? Drone. 
Yes, it has a 4K camera. That uh, and, and one of the most important things about it is the smart features that we've built into it. So it has an obstacle avoidance system built in that will warn you as you're getting too close to a building or a tree or something like that as you're flying along. And it has intelligent flight modes so that when you're controlling it from the screen of your phone, you can point to the, in the distance and say, I want the drone to fly there. And it will track along that way. And if it detects an obstacle on its path, it won't just stop and say, hey, there's something in front of me. It'll figure out a way around it. So it's there's a lot of machine power going on behind the scenes to make that happen. It also has tracking modes so that you can tell it, you see this person here, whether it's this person's face, whether it's somebody on a bike, I want you to follow that. You fly the drone following it. I'm going to control the camera to keep focus on this person, and it'll do it. So these are drones that aren't just toys. They're tools that you can use easily and safely to capture the world around you and show how you live your life. So I'm out hiking or uh, on the road or something and I want the drone to record my trip I can do that exactly you, you can say you can identify yourself on there you can even uh, there's a gesture mode so that you if you want to take a selfie you can put it up in the air know that you're aiming at yourself and uh, make a gesture with your hands and it will take your picture even if you're not holding the controller what's the flight time for these things 27 minutes in optimal conditions yeah so that's not too bad how long does it take to recharge uh, you can recharge the battery in under an hour and what does it record on my phone uh, it records on a, uh, a, desk, a micro SD card in the drone, so you can you can uh, take it from there and uh, you know do any kind of processing you need with it in 4K. You can just put it up on your TV and watch the beautiful footage on your big screen at home. Uh, but you also are able to live stream from the controller, so you could be broadcasting on Facebook Live. You could be sending it out on YouTube, on Periscope. Uh, you, you know it, that, that's why we say this is more than just. You know, three years ago, a, a drone was something that a hobbyist would have to buy, take out of the box, maybe take out a soldering iron, do all sorts of weird little software upgrades, and we're trying to make this a product that, that that kind of technical side of things becomes seamless so that you can use it to capture yourself out on the road, driving, riding a horse, riding a bike. You know, We want this to be something that you use as part of your life. And the great thing about it being foldable and small is that you can bring it with you. I went on a family vacation where I was going to take one of our last model of drones, and I thought, I'm carrying so many car seats and strollers and suitcases, the last thing I need is one more box just for the drone. Um, my last family trip, I was able to take a Mavic Pro, just put it in the side of my bag, and off we went. Well, what's the price point? It's $999. And how sturdy are they? It's, it's, it's a small thing. Yeah, it's small, but it's pretty strong. It's pretty sturdy. It's made to be reliable. Um, I watched a video on YouTube from some folks in Hong Kong. I do not recommend this, but they took turns roasting it over a fire and spraying water at it and banging it into things, and it still worked pretty well. We don't endorse that at all, but it's pretty sturdy. Tell us about some of these others. I saw one that's pretty nicely decorated. Yeah, we have a, a special model of our Phantom 4, which is our larger flagship drone, that we've decorated in red with a dragon pattern designed by an artist for Chinese New Year. It's a limited edition that uh, we think is pretty neat looking. And we have uh, other drones here on display, including our Inspire 2, which is designed for professional filmmakers. The neat thing about it is, in, in addition to all of its uh, uh, very smart encoding systems, to you can capture an Apple ProRes, for example. They can process that directly to a special SSD drive that uh, built into the back of the craft. But uh, for for a general interest, what's really neat about that one is it has two cameras on it. One is a professional quality cinema camera that's controlled by a camera operator using a controller. The other is a smaller forward-facing camera that the pilot controls. So you've got a pilot who is steering the drone, clearing obstacles, making sure 
sure you're hitting all the points along the way. And that frees the camera operator to focus solely on focus and exposure and framing the shot and getting the You know, we're trying to make the process of aerial storytelling as seamless as possible. That's true for our personal drones. That's true for our professional models as well. Does that have the same avoidance capability and yes. intelligence that the small one has? Yes, yes. It, it doesn't have some of the facial tracking modes. You don't need that if you're a professional cinematographer. Um, but it ha one of the interesting things that the professional model has is obstacle avoidance on the ceiling. Because if you're filming on a sound stage or on a big closed set, uh, we have seen instances of people who are so con so concerned with hitting their marks point to point, not hitting the walls, not hitting the sides, not hitting a light pole, that they lose a little situational awareness of just how high they can go. They get they get excited about that perspective. And what's the cameras that you have here? So our handheld model is called the Osmo, and it, it came about because one of the the key points in the development of DJI was first we figured out how to how to fly. How do you get four propellers to spin in different directions and move where you want them to go? Then we said, hey, strap a GoPro camera on it, and you can get an image from up there. And then we realized um, one of the challenges there is that drones, they're constantly being buffeted by the wind and fighting against it. They're constantly, and there's a little lag as they're moving around. So we build a stabilized gimbal system that knows when the drone is moving, it feels the movements of the wind, and it counteracts those automatically. And thus you have crystal clear, very smooth, stable video even when the drone is moving around. And then we realized that's a skill that you don't just need in the air. It can be helpful for handheld. Anybody who's ever shot a movie on their on their smartphone, bum, 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 you can tell when you're breathing carrying one of those. So we put that same technology in a handheld uh, uh, product called the Osmo that smooths out the movement. When you, if you, I chase my kid around the playground holding one, and it looks like a movie. It's so cinematic. And the transitions are smooth. Smooth. My kid, you know, run, jumps on a on a climbing gym or rides down the slide, and it is. It looks like something that's been shot by a professional crew, and we have so we have that in using one of our proprietary cameras. We also have what's known as the Osmo Mobile. So you simply put your smartphone in the mount, and the, the handheld stabilizes it as you're moving. So it's really incredible to see, and at a $299 price point, it's pretty good. Yeah, to to have you know you turn your smartphone into a professional video equipment. You you know if you have a phone that shoots in 4K, shoot that, put it on your big screen TV. You'll be amazed. Adam, where do I get these? The easiest way is to go to our online store at DJI.com. There are links to see uh, all the, the fun things that our products can do, and you can buy right there. Thanks for your time. I really appreciate it. Glad to be here. Okay, so right across from uh, DJI is the FAA talking about aviation safety and drone safety, but they can't be interviewed because uh, they're the government. So I don't know what the heck that's about. They gave me some contact in Washington, but uh, just, you know, your government's at work. I'm with Carl England at the Star Wars High Performance Battle Drone, and I was just explained by two young ladies that 12 of us can battle each other. Unfortunately, the drones don't blow up when you hit them. It's like laser tag. But uh, maybe Carl England can give us some more information. We certainly can, yeah. I mean, new things have just had a soft launch just by the Christmas. It's sold out everywhere. It's allowing the Star Wars fans for the first time in 40 years to do exactly what these things do in the movies, which is dogfighting the sky. 
three strikes in the air, the things have got biometric sensors, which means like where you don't know exactly where the floor is, once you've been hit three times, automatically land, turn yourself off, game over, I've lost, you've won, let's play again. There's going to be an app that goes along with it, which is going to be able to tell you exactly where you've been shot, how you've been shot, we want leagues to happen, this is going to be the next big gaming sensation. When's it going to be available? So available from May of next year, of this year, sorry. Okay, and what's the price point? One nine nine. Okay, great. Thank you very much. No yeah, and what's your website? www.propelsw.com. Thank you. As you can tell from the background there, we're live on the show floor, so hope you heard his interview. There are a lot of drones here, but we're going to take a break, uh, and we're going to go talk to the corny people. Yes, the people that make glass. That's uh, going to be pretty interesting about what they're doing in technology. And just as a side note, as you know, if you're a regular listener, I've just been elected chairman of the uh, Hudson River Museum, and Corning is celebrating a major anniversary, and they're going to be taking a barge around the city. Uh, they used to be in uh, Brooklyn, if you can believe that's where they started, and they're going to go up the Hudson through the uh, canal, and they're going to wind up uh, in Corning. So we're going to talk to these people about that and about what they're doing technologically. So please stay tuned. This is Tom DeOrio, we're live on IMI's Tech Talk on KFNX AM 1100. Welcome back to IMI's Tech Talk on KFNX AM 1100. I'm Tom DeOrio, and we're live on the show floor, which is the reason for the background noise, at CES Las Vegas 2017.
Cars capture our imagination like nothing else. Since the first automobiles hit the road, people have been dreaming up new capabilities, whether it's the DeLorean and Back to the Future, or the Jetsons flying cars. Now, when people think about early innovators in the automotive industry, names like Gottlieb Daimler, Daimler, Carl Benz, Henry Ford come to mind. But maybe that list should start with Leonardo da Vinci. In 1478, he created detailed sketches of a self-propelled cart. He designed it as a festival attraction to inspire wonder and awe. But like many of his ideas, it confounded people for centuries. In fact, it wasn't until 2004 that Italian engineers created a vehicle based on the sketches, and it worked. I like that story because it's a great example of the transition from magic to science. By that, I mean that capabilities that defied explanation other than magic at one time eventually get explained by science and reduced to engineering practice. That journey from magic to science has been one that we've been on with Glass 2. For years, people were mystified by the ability of glass to reflect images, to refract light, or to change color in different situations. Innovation only happened because of laborious trial and error experimentation, or occasionally just plain serendipity. But today, we understand how different formulation and fabrication techniques determine the atomic state and structure of a glass, which in turn allows us to precisely tune the properties of a glass for specific applications. That's why the pace of glass innovation has increased so dramatically in recent years. It's why we can make large sheets of glass that are flexible, glass that can withstand the impact of steel balls, glass that suppresses the growth of bacteria, mold, and fungi, glass that's responsive to the human touch. The good news? We're just getting started. So far, scientists have combined silica with about 50 elements from the periodic table. But the true potential is to incorporate almost the entire periodic table. And to understand that potential, just think about holding the Oxford English Dictionary in your hands and how many different words you can make from only 26 letters. It's that, that vast potential that leads us to believe some of the biggest innovations of black and glass still lie ahead of us. Now, Leonardo's self-propelled cart never made it to market. But today, automotive companies are already incorporating some exciting applications based on advanced glass. And according, now that we've made the transition from magic to science, we're trying to take that science and turn it back into magic by unleashing a new range of capabilities that can improve our lives and enrich our experiences. So, without further ado, let's take a look at how Corning is using advanced glass to redefine the concept of the car. Gentlemen, feel the sense of wonder and awe about the possibilities. With that, I'd like to invite Doug Harshberger up. Doug leads our automotive effort 
is going to take us through some of the pieces of the car. Hi everyone, can you hear me okay? Really excited to be here to share with you Corning's vision of what the next generation of cars and integrated connected smart cars can be. This is the Corning One. It has a ton of great technology in it. I'm going to walk you through what a few of them are, but before I do that, kind of origins of our work in the automotive space started with Gorilla Glass. Started with the idea that we could take this cool, strong, tough material and find a way to use it to make better cars. The reason we thought we could do that is because we were aware that around the industry, uh, regulators were requiring automakers to improve fuel economy and reduce CO2 emissions. And one way to do that was the same thing we had done in the, in the mobile phone space, which is make the devices thinner and lighter. And so the very first thing we tried to do was to take that Gorilla Glass technology and use it to make glazing windows that are thinner and lighter, and thereby deliver weight savings and fuel but in addition to just the weight savings of fuel economy, we knew it would also reduce the center of gravity of the car, that would allow the car to handle better, would allow it to accelerate and stop faster, many other benefits might come along, come along the way. The reason that we were able to do that is because Gorilla Glass is based on two fundamentally unique technologies from Corning. The first one is our fusion forming process, which allows you to make glass that's very thin, very clear, defect free, and very damage resistant. The second is our formulation for the glass, or the composition. It's also unique to Corning. It allows for a chemical strengthening process that makes the, the glass extremely durable and scratch resistant, also allowing you to have a, a greater toughness. And our idea was that you could take the additional toughness that we have, trade it in for thickness, and end up with a window that could be lighter. And actually, uh, there, the interesting thing that we found along the way was that maybe we overshot the mark a little bit. We learned a way to make these windows that not only made them lighter, but also made them even tougher than the windows, the thick windows that were already in the car. In fact, uh, the windshield that's on this car, which is built like the, the Gorilla Glass sample that's over there, is two times more resistant to damage from sharp stone impact than a traditional thick window. How many of you would like to have a window have use that same technology in the side windows? So they're lighter and they're tougher as well. Maybe a little less important that they're tougher in a side window than in a windshield. But the other interesting thing about the side window is that Gorilla Glass's toughness and flexibility allows us to make these windows in what we call a cold forming process. That means that we can take a flat piece of Gorilla Glass, laminate it to a curved piece of soda lime glass, and get the window shape that you want without actually having to put the grill glass into a furnace and melt it into a shape. So it makes the manufacturing process simpler and easier. Uh, the backlight and the roof, roof glass here, both of these also lighter and tougher, but we've integrated another interesting technology into those windows. They both have sandwiched between the piece of grill glass and soda lime glass a film that allows you to change the level of uh, tint in the window. So you'll see later that we can make it go from light to dark with a, a touch of a button is a better image coming from a, a HUD. The reason is because HUDs are, are built on a, a principle of reflected light, and the light reflects off of the inner surface of glass and the outer surface of glass, and that naturally creates um, a distortion in the image that you see. That distortion can be corrected by putting a, a film in between the two pieces of glass, 
that corrects it, but you can never correct it perfectly and for all viewing angles. And by making a glass in a window that's thinner and clearer, you can increase the range of areas where you can get a really sharp, crisp, clear image. Ours can be about three times larger with the same level of clarity as a standard window. It's built to bring your mobile phone experience into the car. And so it's a very display-rich and dynamic environment. In addition to the two head-up displays, it's got an all-glass dash with multiple displays in it. It's got a center console display. It's got displays in both of the doors and also a display in the steering Okay, we're going to take a break. This is Tom Diorio we're live on IMS Tech Talk on KFNX 1100. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back after his messages. Welcome back to IMS Tech Talk on KFNX 1100. I'm Tom Diorio. We're at the Corning demonstration of the glass in a car. The roof and the backlight. Why don't you show how that works as well? And dark with the touch of a button built onto the inside have some sort of optical surface on them to enable all of the occupants to see and use them without being distracted by glare from ambient lighting around. So the all glass dash has an anti-reflective coating on it and the center console and the um, uh, steering wheel display have anti-glare treatments on them. Those anti-glare treatments have the additional benefit of suppressing some of the look of fingerprints so the display looks better all the time. See the right turn signal going on again? with a simple swipe of a display that's really convenient and close to your hands, making the working of the vehicle all the more simple. It's of cars that will be shared. Many people are using, maybe there's another uh, feature that could be used in the future there as well. So in summary, like I said, this is Corning's vision for a connected car with all of the technologies that uh, Corning's glass can enable that we can imagine today. Obviously, we, we think there'll be many, many more in the future, but the good news is, I've got a bunch of people here in the room around who'd like to engage and talk with you about it. Okay, we're at the LG booth. Remember, we did a whole show on that from the presentation they did yesterday. But we're talking to Andrew Spence about all these different TVs. So tell us what the different technology is. Yeah, so the four TVs that are in the middle here are the different versions of high dynamic range that are available or will be available this year. The major thing that we're showing is that we support all of those available formats even before they're actually officially released. Um, we also have the ability in our those formats. So you have Dolby Vision um, and HDR10, which are the two primary that are used right now. Um, and then you have HLG and uh, Technicolor that are going to be available later on in the year. Yeah, the sign on the top says OLED. What's that? It's organic light emitting diodes. It's a, it's a different style of t TV technology than most people are used to, where the TV no longer requires a backlight and each individual pixel provides its own source of light. Makes them much, much thinner overall, uh, much, much better black levels and contrast ranges than you can get on standard LED sets. And what's the difference in these two? So these two here are showing off LG's proprietary HDR called Active HDR. Since not all versions of HDR are created equal to each other, LG has introduced Active HDR to kind of lay level the playing field between them. If you have an, an incoming signal that does not use dynamic metadata in their HDR signal, um, our Active HDR will add dynamic metadata in to improve the overall quality of your HDR signal. These two are different? These two are different. Because the one on the top seems sharper than the one on the bottom. 
Yeah. And what about the ones behind you? So, so these are the brand new W7s. They're the wallpaper signature series OLEDs. Um, the, the main staple here is that these TVs do not have a base. They mount directly to your wall, and they lay um, within 0.2 inches of your wall when you get them up on display. Are they all available now, or will they be? They'll be available probably mid-quarter two um, as the rollout begins. And what's the price variation or range? We, we haven't seen a price range yet for the 2017 models. Um, the specs and the prices haven't been released by LG yet. Okay, well, we can go to your website and find that all out. You should be able to see some of them on the website as the prices is introduced. That'll be the best place to see them first. And what is the website? Uh, LG.com. Okay, great. Thank you very much. No, Have no. a good show. With the solo booth, this is an interesting uh, group of uh, covers and backpacks and stuff. So talking to Sarkhan, he's going to describe a couple of the different lines that they have that I've been telling you about. All right, so we are a New York-based company. Um, all of our designs are inspired by city life in New York. Um, we have four different lifestyles we design towards, active, executive, urban, and pro collections. Um, this one happens to be our pro collection. Um, it's really... Maybe uh, you can describe it since we're on the radio. Sure, <laughs> sure, yeah. Um, it's a, I like the professional version, but go ahead. Yeah, well, this is inspired to, um, uh, you know, this collection happens to be called Urban Nomad, right? So this looks more outdoorsy. It's for the urban rugged person who really just looks the part, but all they do is they're on their iPad and you know, all they're doing is playing with their iPhone. So there's a lot of clouds going on this. It looks like a Harry Cruise backpack, but really designed for a city person. All of the products on our floor here have um, laptop compartments and tablet compartments. Um, we just design awesome bags. They just happen to have compartments inside that carry their daily life gear. Um, this collection here is called Urban Code. It actually has a label on the front that spells our brand name in Morse code. It's a very digital inspired collection with cool gray and black tones. Uh, we thought it was um, too tech and high tech and meeting the needs of the city life. And we wanted to throw it back to the old days where... I was going to say there aren't too many people besides myself to know what Morse code yeah, is. Yeah, so. well, all of the labels come explaining what the Morse code is. And it's a really cool tie-in because this is a very sci-fi collection. And to have that throw back to the old days where you didn't have an iPhone and all you had was three dots and whatever it was. So this little label here spells our name. Yeah, so it starts off with SO as an SOS. So yeah, so that's actually a good tool, too. And along with the collection. We also have the Ops collection here. Um, this is a um, parachute nylon bag collection. Um, essentially, very lightweight, amazing um, product, super lightweight. They look really sharp. Um, and we have them in fun colors. Um, again, we're going after that. You live in an urban city, so you don't want any boring black bag with you. You want to have something fun. But, you know, people like you and I, we want to be able to transition in and out of formal environments as well. So not a lot of crazy stuff happening here um, while keeping it... But it's practical. And yeah. It probably wears well. It does wear well. Um, and then not only that, practicality. These actually turn into a backpack. So this briefcase has a hidden compartment on the back. You take the shoulder straps out. You use it as a backpack. You're down, put it away, and carry it as a briefcase. Either way, you'll look cool carrying it. Pretty nice. Yeah. Um, each gondola essentially is a different lifestyle we pursue. Um, and inside each lifestyle, we have multiple capsule collections. Um, they all have a different inspiration coming from New York. Um, you know, executive collection has um, 
if you don't mind, let's just go there. Could have gone over here. Um, the first collection we are looking at is called the Hamptons Collection. It's really inspired by the New York seascape called Hamptons. Um, it's a destination. Um, they are vintage, cool looking, um, but at the heart of it, vegan. You know, I never had to buy for this, and it's very uh, 2017 compliant for us. Okay. They're very sharp looking pieces. Um, it ranges from backpacks to duffel. It's a very versatile collection. It looks sharp. You look now, this and look really sharp. Where do I get these? Um, anywhere you're shopping, we are mass brands. So you can find them in department stores, you can find them in mass merchants, you can find them in consumer electronics. your website? Or you can go to our website, solo.net. Which is? Solo.net. Solo.net. Yep. Okay, thank you very much. This is a great collection. Thank you. Okay, so that uh, wraps up our first show from CES 2017 in Las Vegas. Again, sorry for the background noise, uh, but hopefully you were able to hear all of the interviews and presentations that we covered. I want to thank Terry Ruggiero, IMS President, Dan Dioria, Jose Batista, and David Brandon for a week in review. Taylor Renz, our producer, has 10 shows, our test and shows, our Associate producer, Matt Campan is our executive producer, and what the help of Robert Bobback from the KFNX AM 1100 production department, you win the heard a word we said. Have a great week. Thanks again for listening, and uh, we'll have some more CES shows for you in the future.